We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Bucks won a f***ing NBA championship. Yeah! What? What? He tries to take a pulse, baby. Watching that basketball game, like, caused health problems for me. Boogie hates racism and Chris Paul. And who cannot get on board with that platform? If I've learned a lot, this, I, I'm not going to say it. That sounds too bad. That was good. Roll on. No, 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 no. The Bucks do win it all. Pat Connaughton's numbers should be in the rafters. Hey there. Welcome to the Eurostep Podcast Network post-draft pod. And believe it or not, one of us definitely does not. The Bucks used the pick. They used the 24th overall pick. They actually used two picks. They used 58-2, which was the last pick in this draft because tampering. So we're going to get into it on this immediate post-draft reaction. We got the full GSPN crew. I am Ty Windish. My co-host is always the delightful Rohan Kadi, the exceptional Jordan Tresky, and the wonderful Adam McGee. Fellas, draft night is over, except for all the two ways and stuff. How's it going? I'm above the moon, Ty. You had a great day. I did. Jordan, Adam? I do well. Bucks cut their pick, as the title card says, below me and below Rohan. Um, that in itself is probably the biggest surprise than of the night. <laughs> More so than the player um, that the Bucks selected in the first round, I should say. Um, but yeah. Very, very intriguing and overall come away at least content with where the Bucks have been with this draft night. I'm doing well. I got to experience my, my good friend Ron Cotty have a moment of sheer joy tonight. A joy of the kind I will never get to experience, which is seeing the Milwaukee Bucks select the prospect I want them to select on draft night. Rohan got to have that with quite some build up. We were on playback. There was an agreement made that picks weren't going to be spoiled. I was the only person who was like, yeah, I'm still looking. So I sat for four and a half minutes as Rohan nearly lost his mind, knowing all of his dreams were going to come true. That, that clip is going to be on Twitter if it's not already by the time you're listening to this. But yeah, uh, the Bucks took Marjan Bochamp with the 24th overall pick in the NBA draft. Like you mentioned, Ty, they actually kept the pick. And like Adam mentioned, this is the guy I wanted. If you guys listen to the, the pod uh, where Ty and I talked about his first edition of his big board and then um, my 
version of that. I was super, super high on Bochamp. And it came true. Like Adam said, this has never happened uh, to me. It's not happened to him. <laughs> it's just, I've never experienced a feeling like this. It's so weird. Like the buck, I'm not usually I'm not usually a guy who prepares for drafts. Like last time the Bucks had a pick, they traded it right away. And it was right after they won a championship. So I was like, who cares? Honestly. Like what like what does anything matter? It was like two days after the title. And then the last pick was Dante in the first round. Like that's that feels like eons ago. So this feeling of being able to say, hey, the Bucks took the guy I wanted. I'm gonna ride this high for a while. Yeah, I think I think friend of the show Lucas Harkins was a huge Brogdon guy, but I don't know if he called them taking Brogdon back then. Uh, I don't remember that or not. But otherwise, yeah, I don't think any of us have been like really high. And he was number one, I believe, on your board. Or no, maybe was Coloco? He was up there. He was one, but then I sort of flipped him. Yeah, but I I don't think I mean I you don't need to tell us that now. Just he was one. He was, <laughs> yeah, he was one. Yeah. Yeah, you didn't publish a board like I did, uh, which was a foolhardy errand. But I don't think any of us have ever had a guy we really loved before the draft that the Bucks then took. Absolutely not. I think the Never. closest for me was first, Portis. First win in six. Um, well, that's <laughs> first win in six. I barely mentioned Rashad Vaughn, and uh, they obviously took him at sixteen or seventeen that year. Seventeen. Oh, was it 17? 17? Yeah, 17. Yeah, that's right. And DJ Wilson was not on the radar that year. No. Thon was certainly not. <laughs> Thon was, we were, I think Thon, we were like doomsday prepping. That's how yeah. we were yeah. looking at it as. Like, I, I remember being very in on Brogdon, like a lot of people were too, but obviously it's no one's sole focus. Yeah. No one's sole focus was on the second round pick in that draft. Yeah. So everyone's like, oh, I really like Brogdon, but. All of the the focus was elsewhere, and then we yeah we were dealing with the shock of that too. It's just it's been a lucky day for me. If anyone plays two K, I packed end games Scotty Barnes today. Oh, just what a what a day it's been. The interest level of everyone listening to this pod is just like <laughs> nose diving. Right, we're now. just losing listeners. Yeah, back to Bochamp. So Rohan, I'll let you start because you're the one who's very very high, uh, and I think anyone who's been seeing all the clips put out. When he was first announced, his phone call with the Bucks front office, it's really hard, I think, not to root. I think Andrew Schneider on playback said root forable, which we had been on, on air for a long time, so we're all going to excuse that. Um, but Rohan, give us your, your quick uh, Bochamp scouting report here. Well, it starts it starts with defensive versatility. This guy's 6'5", 6'6", with a 7-foot-plus wingspan. He is going to be able to get in to Bud's rotation. He's going to have a chance right away because of his ability to play defense, his ability to switch, his ability to play in different schemes. He's just his physical tools are there. I've also just been clamoring for years now that the Bucs need to take someone with some semblance of athleticism, like someone who can actually jump. Bochamp is a springy guy. He's got bounce. He's got the length. He's got the physical tools. Sure, the shot is here and there, but I think he has good mechanics. I think he has the ability to maybe develop that through wing university under Coach Budenholzer. It's just, it's a hot, it's an upside pick. I do think it's an upside pick, but he does have a skill right away in defense, which will let him get a chance to see the court, which is big for a guy who's going to be going to a team that has title aspiration. You need to be able to be like, see the court to start your development. 
and he has a way of seeing the court. Yeah, I think as with a lot of prospects, the swing skill here is probably going to be shooting. His G League Ignite shooting numbers, if you look at either the Showcase or the Ignite Tour, are not great. I think 24 to like 30%, but it's about 30 attempts per split. So like 60 total shots, which is a pretty noisy sample. I know you're high on the way his shot looks. Obviously, we've seen some players... We've seen one player develop a good three-point shot with the buck. We've seen a lot of players seem to, and then maybe not so much. So hopefully that, that goes a little better with Bochamp. But I think really the the interesting thing for me is, despite him being an older prospect, I think he turns he will turn 22 before the season starts. I do think it's kind of an intriguing upside pick still. Like I don't think Bochamp is close to a finished product yet at this point. And it does make sense that he's an older guy. I mean, that's just what John Horst does. I know, Jordan, you outlined this a couple weeks before the draft that they've never taken a teenager in the Horst era, which probably means they never have ever. Um, maybe. I'd have to look. But they infamously didn't want to, uh, you know, back in the 90s. But anyway, um, I, I, it's, I do think there's a fairly wide range of outcomes. I mean, you never want to ex- – extrapolate to the 100th percentile but i do think close to best case bochamp is a very good player anyone who doesn't turn out he's a defender you know we'll see but i think the shot is just going to be really important for him as you know a guy like ej liddell even a guy like walker kessler i think all of those players to some extent or another that was going to determine their long-term ceiling just because we know with Giannis long-term hopefully on the bucks you kind of need guys who can shoot at least a little bit to be ideal fits with him. My, my concern is the shot because yeah. if the shot's not there offensively, there are definite challenges. I'm struggling. I'm, I'm definitely most down on it. And I'm, I don't I'm not down on it. I said, going into this draft. I don't think there's any player where I'm just like, Oh, I hate that. This isn't the kind of upside I would have liked to see. I, I don't feel like this is a big swing because in part of this is just how, as we said, how horse does things, what Bud likes. Like, this is a plug-and-play now guy because of his defense and because that's how Bud evaluates rookies, like, almost solely on their defense. If you want to get minutes, you want to get a chance to develop, you've got to see the floor defensively. And in that regard, this is kind of Dante-esque in terms of the ability to get on the floor early. Hopefully he's healthier than Dante was in early in his tenure. But the chance will be there to earn Bud's trust if his defense is up to the level that it's widely being kind of advertised to be. The shooting not really being there. I know the sample is not all that significant, uh, but I would like to see some positive signs on that pretty quickly because his passing is not really there at all. Doesn't look like he has much comfort with the ball in his hands. He is very, very dangerous in transition. As Rowan has pointed out, he's an exceptional athlete, the kind the books haven't drafted in a long, long time. So there will be points for him in transition. There could be some fun opportunities for him to get out and run with Giannis. But something else is going to have to pop offensively for him to be like a really meaningful long-term piece for me. Like, unless he's all defense kind of... Solid cutter. All defensive too. team guy. Solid cutter. Like, he, Which, like he's he, got to be able to move off, off ball, but you're going to... 
in the NBA, that gets so much tougher, though, if he doesn't have any gravity with his shot. Like, if teams aren't going to respect him with the ball in his hands or moving off the ball as a catch-and-shoot threat in the corner, it gets a lot more difficult. I mean, his moving would have to be absolutely exceptional. So that's, bad, that's the thing I'm going to be I'm going to be looking out for. And we talked about this on the playback. I mean, one thing that kind of all draft evaluations of him made note of, and I do think it's fair, G League Ignite is not the ideal spot for someone like him to get a chance to showcase what he can do with the ball. So maybe the books feel like and saw in workouts, there's some more there that he didn't really get a chance to show off because of the players he was sharing a team with. And because of the kind of uniquely weird environment that G League Ignite offers to prospects. So maybe there's some more there we haven't seen, but it is going to be something that you guys know I hate Summer League. But I will be tuning into Summer League and I will be interested to see what he looks like beyond being an athlete, particularly in that setting where they will probably ask him and entrust him with a little bit more then they will a lot of other guys in the roster. And it's like, okay, let's see what he can do. Let's see if he could show us some glimpses of something to work with, because that is going to be the long-term key. If he's to be a real kind of core rotation piece or someone we can really get excited about, but it's not a bad thing to have someone who already that we can be like, yeah, he's, he's kind of got it defensively. I I did read in a few things and might've been, might've been Adam Spinell's video breakdown, that there are some, question marks about him as a as an off-ball defender and you know maybe good intentions leading him to some tough spots where he is a knack for overhelping that is better than the opposite you know that is something you can work with as opposed to someone who's just not really trying um, but it's also We've something seen... we see we see the books have problems with over and over again so that will be one to uh, watch and see how they are in that one out yeah um to the point of like his shot and just kind of his overall game i mean this is not a like for like here but i remember me you know wishing <laughs> the fullest outcome fully realized outcome but when the bucks got pat connison um hang that jersey in the rafters get that merch today if you can at gspnstore.com but i just remember thinking he's not a you know his shot wasn't all that ready in the three seasons he played at Portland and largely that was down to one season. Super athletic guys. We've obviously come to know. Um, I do think there is something to the fact that he is very, it's not that he's polished in terms of like being able to score without the ball, because obviously if you can't shoot particularly well, like come playoff time, that's going to be a glaring hole. Um, but the fact that you get used to not having the ball in the hands and you're excelling in transition can find those, you know, weak spots on the defense um, and just score really high efficient shots like that. That itself is a useful role. And like, we've seen it when how many times have we come on here and talk about Bucks playoff games or games that just kind of just didn't go their way and they managed to pull it out or they, you know, lost or whatever the case may be like, it's we saw PJ Tucker struggle games on end to not hit shots, but still make a, a his role out there. Whether it's you know just scrounging for loose balls, rebounding, obviously playing on ball defense, taking on the tougher scores. I think ultimately where I come down with the pick is that like it's to Rohan's point, it's a different flavor that the Bucks just had not had on their roster. 
like we look at how how much West not saved their season, but saved their ro- wing rotation. Might have saved the season, honestly. I mean, and I mean, yeah, especially in the in the context of not having the PJ like type guy, not having that guy, then losing Pat for a month, then losing Chris for the most Chris of the, in playoffs. the playoffs. I mean, yeah. he was. I mean, I guess I don't know how even, much he saved, even it, but losing, he was instrumental. Like, we we forgot about it, and who knows how he would affect it. Even losing someone like Bembry mid season, yeah. yes, like the options Race and, was in go, and going back to yeah. like Rodney Hood not working out, all of those kind Big of things. Rod. It's like Chevy. Well, like, I didn't want to bring that. Uh, I, well, it's it's it, but it's the truth that like the, a few the, days from now, the anniversary, we'll talk about that some more. I'm sure. But even we we talked about it during the championship, like. As much as like Wayne University is such a big staple for Bud in in Atlanta, like it has been a revolving door, largely in Milwaukee. Like Pat Connaughton, that we thought was, you know, after the Miami series, like he can't guard Duncan Robinson. He's struggling to you know cover a structure like that. Their careers have completely turned, <laughs> and as it turns out, but like they just haven't had that like stable wing rotation where you could just kind of like turn to and all that stuff. And obviously, I know we talked about it on Win Six this week, like. Horace specifically mentioned that they were a wing short during the playoffs. So they go out, they get a wing. And he may not be the, the snuggest fit next to a guy like uh, Giannis or obviously Chris, like all that stuff. But he knows how to play without the ball in his hands. And if you're coming to Milwaukee, you're not going to be asked to, you know, produce all that many possessions with the ball in your hands. So from that standpoint, I think there is a little bit of a fit, and he obviously has NBA-ready skills. It's just a matter of developing that shot, and you know, Dante was what it was. It was obviously very up and down, but Pat is a, the perfect developmental model for Bochamp to really follow, honestly. Yeah, and I think they're not—they're not, they're not going to try to make Bochamp a point guard like. They yeah, that, I, I was going <laughs> to yes. say that. I mean, yes, if yeah, you, you talk about Wing University with the Bucks, and it, it hadn't translated as much. I think Pat is. Clearly the Sterling example, and I wouldn't throw in Chris because he was pretty much a not finished product, but a certainly a developed product by the time Bud got to Milwaukee. But who have they had to develop at the wing since Sterling, Bud was in? Sterling and Sterling. Laura are the only two guys who I think like credibly yeah. you can be like maybe they could have become something. Like I I'm not even I, look, I like Sterling. I like yeah. Sterling early on. I think Sterling could have been more than he has. And even Sterling, he's, like, an he's moved down from the books. He's an yeah. NBA player, and he has moments where people get excited. and are like, hey, Sterling Brown's pretty good. Um, Wara, well, the book hasn't been fully written on him yet. I think we're going to see very shortly when he moves on to a new team. Maybe there's a different version of him. but Still playing pickleball. You, they're just they're not going to chum out in the street. It's not only like... Here's your stuff. It's outdoor your pickleball it's like, court stuff. <laughs> well, okay, fair enough. I played there last week. It's a great court. It's a great oh. court. Scott Foster was not there. <laughs> um, but, but, it, but the to, point to is, the point, it is. It's, they haven't had it's, they haven't had, They haven't had picks. They haven't made good use of the picks they had. Nope. And they've been dealing with scraps of free agency by the spots it comes to it. So there haven't been too many chances to develop guys. Like that. Obviously, I actually forgot Dante there as well. I, not, I would say not a wing, though. And I don't he think was a wing. Not, he's not a wing. I, he's not. Is there he's a there. mistake? Yes. Yeah, organizationally, yes. there's a mistake in how they develop them. Uh, I think uh, but yes, that's, for sure. But I wonder, too, like, and that is part of, I don't know where that starts with the horse division and ends with the bud vision. In getting into past dribble shoot, it's like 
they've been asking every player in theory, particularly drafted, drafted players, prospects to come in to do some stuff with the ball, where sometimes it's just like, hey, how about don't get that guy to do anything with the ball? Like, let him catch and shoot when he's passed to. Let him cut and get the ball like right at the rim and get some simple points. But there is this desire to always make a little bit more out of it, where sometimes I think they should just be like, this guy's strengths are this, it's very clear, and we're going to play to that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I think overall, uh, I really can't wait to see him play. I mean, Summer League is Summer League, but... I want to see him play with the Bucks. I think the thing about Bochamp that's interesting, and you could view it as a positive or a negative, because of his unconventional journey, he's never played with a quality team before in his life. The Ignite, they're a team, yes. They shot below 32% from three in both aspects of their season. They're, it's, you know, it's cobbled together, right? It's for the draft. I think it's successful in what it wants to do. They've gotten a lot of guys drafted. But he has not played on a true, good, professional-level team that has like things like, I don't know, spacing, a true offensive flow, that, that sort of thing. So Summer League will be interesting, but I really want to see him play, like, what does he look like in preseason with Chris and Drew and Giannis out there? And I hope we'll see some of that, at least in preseason. I, I, we'll see about rotational role in the regular season. We touched on this on playback a little bit. We can get into this as well. But with 
there's a lot of pending free agents for the Bucks. If most or all of them come back, there's really not that many minutes available from the jump for, for Bochamp, which is not a terrible thing. I don't think that's, it's bad. That's a good point to bring up because I think I think even Eric Name um he was doing like either a tweet thread or a comment thread, something like that, and just kind of outlined like this is where the Bucks rotation is at and the you know the free agents that we you know possibly become free agents in Bobby's case. With Pat coming back, like it's pretty stacked at this point. We we obviously don't know if Wes is coming back, but it sounds like there's interest from his end. Um, I'm sure the Bucks would love him back if, you know, obviously at the right price and all the tax, blah, 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 blah. But from that standpoint of like putting that developmental mindset, they have to, I mean, it's it's on them to groom and develop Bo- Bochamp to their liking. Like they are at a point where they can, they know their core, they know how it's going to change in the coming years. Obviously, you know, they obviously didn't draft a brick replacement and the future of the big man spot could, you know, very well come down to what happens with Bobby. Um, even then, you still want to, have, want to have some cover beyond that because as we've gone over a million times, like the butt drop is such a, you know, key part of the Bucks DNA. Um, but for Bochamp, I think that's, to Ty's point, I think that that's what makes it really interesting and kind of like, I don't know. It kind of gives me like expectations of like after the dust settled with Thon and just be like, you have such a long roadway of, of where, where I thought he was going to be originally. And obviously that changed very quickly and probably not didn't change for the better, say for, you know, one playoff series against the Raptors. But like, if you don't have to ask much for Bochamp and he, you know, develops and plays a lot with the herd or, you know, plays alongside Sandman if he's back and maybe War, whatever the case may be. Like, I do think there's at least something interesting from that perspective. It all could just be for nothing. And we're talking about another draft pick that doesn't necessarily pan out in the way that we thought. But I don't know. I think it's it's at least interesting to talk about it rather than like second round picks are like, you know, best outcome. Yeah, it's just so maybe. hard, man. It's just so tough to get a true NBA player out of most second rounders, especially, I mean, the last, even first, even first, but I mean, the last two years, they've, they've not picked above 45. The last three years, they didn't, I keep forgetting there's a draft. They just didn't pick at all. I I always, that slips my mind. That was, that was the year that they traded Tony Snell and, you know, all the free agents. Yeah. Use their pick to get off Tony Snell, which just sounds terrible now, but Well, so four years since they drafted anyone above forty-five overall. So yeah, of course they haven't. They haven't been churning out NBA players. They haven't. They haven't tried. I mean, they've tried. They haven't seriously tried. They haven't have sunk they assets. Tried? No, they I tried? don't think they have. And like they've horse, kept guys on the roster. Horsing his availability last week was like he was kind of open about it. Like they don't make secrets about how they feel about picks and how he views the value of a pick so that speaks to some real confidence in in marjan one one way or another yeah like uh one thing that i do think is interesting and it could be a case that we see him in a real team and within a couple of months he like takes off and is a completely different player or that he really looks lost and he has a tough rookie year like i i hate the concept of of g league ignite 
because they don't play a proper schedule and because of the way they're kind of coddled through a season, like for all that's talked about the developmental benefits and it's easy to be like, oh, tonight's a great night for G League. It is, but a lot of the guys who are getting drafted, not all of them, but some of them would have been kind of in the spots they would have been coming out of high school. Like they're, they're highly touted prospects that people have their eyes on to begin with, but they're not getting reps of having to deal with the hierarchy of a team and of a team playing a set schedule winning over a certain period of time that even just if you were in a, if you're an undrafted guy who's young and making your way in the G league, you're going to go through that. And I do think that is something that kind of gives an element to the unknown, which as I said, could ultimately turn out to be like a big positive that, he gets in in a more kind of nurturing environment with structure and his game unlocks really quickly. But that is that is a question mark and that is one of the more surprising, one of the more interesting things because that's the least booksy part of this pick. Because as we talked before, Horse has gone for like blue chip programs, blue chip coaches. That's been a pretty kind of, along with older prospects, that's been a feature of how he's approached the draft when he has gone and pick guys. I did it's not like, expect oh. them to ever take an Ignite guy. No, I, it's in that very, article. Like, I specifically that, that part wrote, is unlike it. I specifically wrote like it would it would feel odd to see if them draft a guy for the Ignite. Yeah, just because. I mean, to Adam's point, like I think this round of Ignite players were not as... I mean, Jalen Green went second, right? Yeah, and they also had uh, Kaminga go seven. They had uh, Kaminga, blue chip prospects um, last year. Who was, there was another one, Isaiah right? Joe. There, yeah, but, or not Isaiah Joe. Um, God, what's his name? There was someone else. We said it earlier on playback. Yeah, it was those two. Am I it, forgetting? It, was, someone... it, was, it was Isaiah Joe. I thought it was Arkansas. Arkansas. Anyway, um, but they, they had a high-profile... You know, recruits. It's it was years of the making that kind of thing. So they they wanted to try to replicate that you know model of success and stuff like that. And it's essentially like a one and done program. You know, Scoot Henderson notwithstanding, and he's you know the bona fide guy that everybody looked towards. Like this is the guy that everybody wanted. You know, the next year kind of thing. Isaiah Wrong Todd, Isaiah. not Isaiah. Yeah, Isaiah that's, Todd. That's what the there we go. Oh, and also uh, Deshaun Nix, who signed a two way, I think, did not get yes. drafted. That's right. Um, yeah. So I, I think from that perspective, like it's not, even though they're trying to get them ready for the pros and stuff like that, and they're playing, you know, the equivalent of NBA players largely on a given night or guys that are have been in the NBA or sniffing the NBA, whatever you want to put it. It is, it's different to apply it when you're playing it alongside Jaden Hardy or, yeah. Michael Foster, these guys are like, they're trying to have it be a launchpad to pro careers and then may or may not work out. Like, it's, they, they it's do such have, a like, weird... They have CJ Miles, you know, they have a, a couple of vets on the team. I, I think the playing environment is Johnson. Great. Yeah, but I, I do think, you know, a big focus for them talking to the, the Ignite coach this year when they were in Oshkosh, a lot of it is off the court, getting guys ready to be professionals. And I do think it'll be interesting... Hopefully that helps, uh, you know, Bochamp and all the guys kind of hit the ground running to even even if it's not on court. We all know those things matter in the NBA, managing the off court life. And I do think the last thing on on that I have, at least for now, on Bochamp is seems like a great Bucks culture fit. Um, he said all the right things already. The clip of the phone call when Horst and Bud called him like you could see 
they were really happy. Not just in the way of like, oh yeah, we would have picked him first overall or whatever idiot things GMs say after drafts. But like you could tell they were genuinely happy to be the ones taking him and he was crying on the phone. It was really cool. So I, I think um, Bode went f- for dinner with him. Yeah, I can't yeah, remember he, who was a reporter though. Was uh, that her name? He, I think Milt so. Newton said it right. Yes, Jake, yes, Jake yes, Weingarten yes, too. Right. Jake Weingarten was on it earlier in the week that Bochamp worked out with the Bucks not once but twice. Twice, yeah. Um, so two workouts and dinner with Bud. So clearly they were very interested. And I think yep. I'm, I'm sure that dinner with Bud is picking his brain on how will fit on the court and also the off the court stuff. So clearly this was a player they really went through. They really made up their minds and, and said they wanted him in the building, which is. Exciting in itself. One of my takes on this whole draft that I first started thinking about when they talked about trading up, which never really expected to happen. There weren't that many crazy trades in general. But if the Bucks either trade up or sit on the pick, it probably means they really like someone. And that's kind of exciting in itself just because we have not seen them draft many players, quite honestly, at least in the first round, players with a higher chance of panning out. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, you don't want to judge Horse entirely on one draft pick, but... This is kind of a big one in determining how well the Bucks Gotta do get one using right. their first. I, I I think they've gotten both of their first right. I think overall they've done a pretty good job drafting when you acknowledge the picks that they've used. Dante is not a bad result at seventeen. At no, all. it's no. it's honestly the it's the average outcome. I think it's probably yeah. better. I'm just thinking about DJ. <laughs> If DJ was bad, but DJ was like, I think that's a, a DJ, low, DJ a low end seventeenth overall outcome. DJ's more egregious based on who got drafted afterwards. You yeah. look at guys like John Collins, who doesn't get traded again because they, whatever. Seven, seventeen is a tough spot. It's a tough spot because yes. it's it's right in the wheelhouse of where if you got a really good run and you were there four or five years in a row, you could come away with a lot of really good players. Yeah, but you're you are approaching the crapshoot area where I mean, yeah, you yeah if you get it wrong you get DJ Wilson po- right post lotto that year Justin Jackson Justin Patton two former bucks uh, DJ Wilson TJ Leaf so it's like a bunch of blech. and then John yeah. Collins and then Harry Giles Terrence Ferguson Jared Allen OG Ananobi a little mini heater and then Tyler Lydon I can't even pronounce the guy Orlando Took's name uh, it's just it's such a like here so compare to that to after Dante got drafted. Are you ready? Yeah. Lonnie Walker, yeah. decent player. Yeah. Kevin Herter, decent player. Josh Okoge, mm. Grayson Allen. Okay, maybe we should stop with the Dante ones. Chandler Hutchison, Aaron Holiday, like Anthony Simons, decent guy, but it, Anthony's good. Yeah. Robert Williams is stuck at twenty seven. We don't talk about that. But. Like Dante is not in the upper end of the outcome he's, of those he's, guys it's not, a, even. it's not bad though it's, it's not a, bad. it's around half it's around halfway between that list. like average yeah i mean he started on the team that he would have started on the team maybe that won the championship like it it's a pretty good outcome look i'll, I'll give horses earned so much credit and we've given him so much credit for so much i'm not giving him credit for his drafting unless i think it's know, more fair to unless if Marjan's the guy i'll be i'll be singing his praises i'm not i don't i'm not giving him credit for drafting i think dante's career trajectory to this point is the average outcome of an nba player i, I think which i don't think we have evidence that he's bad at drafting we have evidence that he has a bad attitude toward drafting is more yes. fair to say yes because he just we hasn't gotta, done it most years We've got a signing. Oh, Shams. 
Mississippi State's Iverson Molinar of Panama has agreed to a free agent deal with the Milwaukee Bucks. And Milwaukee's Michael Foster is a free agent deal with the Sixers. So this is probably camp, I would guess. Yeah, it's got to be camp, exhibit time, maybe right? summer league. Yeah, I mean, summer league for summer. They've been usually saying summer league, so maybe it's maybe it's a, I mean, quote unquote full, but maybe it's an expected yeah, exhi- camp invite. Exhibit ten. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Something like that. Do you also about? I, I tried to make this joke earlier, but I didn't have an opportunity. I'm going to say it anyway, though. Do we think Bochamp was asking Bud about puzzles during the dinner? The last piece. One of the all-time great it? videos. Yeah, it's it worth it. It, worth it. it is okay. so good. That was a good. I actually had forgotten about. I'd forgotten and, uh, about that. His giddiness when he says that the last piece, <laughs> like it's like. He's either saying that about like a wine that he just uncorked or like. Oh, I was gonna say it's a good job. Good job, Marjan's twenty-one going for dinner with Bud because you gotta <laughs> gotta play to. Maybe to maybe that's interest. why they draft older guys. If, if you can't, that's why they've got to be able to go for dinner with Bud. Bud. If you can't get wine with Bud, you're you not going to make it. You can't it. be a part of the champagne celebration. That's you know exactly, and uh, they're sticking to their guns. Molinar is twenty-two, uh, and the player they drafted with the fifty-eighth overall pick, allegedly. Hugo, Hugo Besson is 21. So another guy that could have. I think he's still in New Zealand, maybe, or France, but uh, also wine. Oh, he was, he was in, uh, oh, was he was he in New York. Yeah, he came down the, the stairs. So that's interesting. So I, I saw somebody. It was an article that was kind of confusing. I, did, I couldn't tell if it was him or somebody else took a selfie with Adam Silver. I haven't seen the picture clearly, but I'm interested to see what happens there because I, I know there was some rumblings that he's a potential stash player. But if he's in New York now, that does seem less likely. Uh, look, we had a few minutes between ending playback, starting here. What did I do? I went and crunched some Hugo Basson tape. What do you there's a There is there's a flare-off coming. It really Luca um, Vildoza, Hugo Basson, they're going to go head-to-head to be like, who could be the most spectacular international guard on the books next season? Um, I say who could be the most. It will also be the only one. But he he can do some stuff, honestly. He seems um, like the bucket getter version of Luca. More flashy no. layups than flashy passes, yeah, I would yeah, say. Yeah. yeah. So but he look, he has that there with him. Um nice highlight reel. I'll do some do some kind of deeper digging before Jordan and I speak with, with Lucas tomorrow. But Above, kind of on most people's big boards, seems to be 10 to 15 spots above where the books got him at. So there is a sense that he may be in value. You're saying he's in New York. Well, that speaks that too. Obviously, he thought there was a chance that it was worth his while being in New York for that. Kind of an interesting player. And curious that the books, like, once I start to watch them, I'm like, huh, they are trying this. And we know their problems with backup guards. They're, they're, they've got a type right now. They're trying to work this one out. They, they're, they want is, one of just, these. They're listening to GSPN. They want to entertain, and I can get on board with that. Like he, he is an exciting prospect to me. I feel like I'm a parody of myself. But <laughs> go watch a few minutes of Hugo Basson, and everyone will be like, oh, okay. Like if this guy's in summer league again, that's gonna be fun. And maybe like with Luca, maybe they're like, you know. Luca's great, and I'll you know, be better. A twenty-one-year-old version of Luca. Let's let's go for that. Or why not both? 
Well, why not both? You're speaking my language now. Uh, to, to clarify, sorry, Jordan, uh, but no, to sorry. clarify, I don't think we mentioned this. The Bucks have acquired that 58th overall pick that they took Hugo with in a trade with the Denver Nuggets. Allegedly, Pacers. Indiana Pacers. Why did I say whatever? Because uh, it was originally Warriors, <laughs> is what it was reported as, and deleted. But it was yes. the Pacers. Yes, that's the right. Pacers. So where did I get Nuggets from? Whatever the Pacers, uh, and the terms have not been disclosed yet. And John Horst refused to speak about it as press. Well, because he can't. Official. Yes, <laughs> yeah. exactly. He doesn't want to lose next year's pick. They've already taken it. And someone asked him a question, and he's like, "Ah, what do you consider talking about this? No." No more picks. Does anyone think NBL owner Chris Middleton could have oh, talked yeah. to New Zealand breaker Hugo Basson? Is that tampering? No. Um, Is it the same Chris, team? No, it's not. I oh, thought it was. That'd be awesome. RJ, of, RJ course. Hamp- of course. Of course. Hampton- there's a, a Eurostep, former Eurostep guest, former member of the books organization, boots on the ground in the NBL too. Champion oh, yeah. Chase Buford. Yeah, I'll have to I'll have to hit him up. And former herd player Jalen Adams. Yeah. RJ Hampton also played for the Breakers mm. when he did his MBL stint. Former Buck for about four minutes. That's right. And yeah. then he threw the hat when, when he was on video. <laughs> oh, yeah. I I never remember these things, but I know Jordan always will. So I don't know why the, again. Jordan will never forget these things. Let's draft night draft night, it's always tormenting things. I'm trying to find an ESPN big board, but they're all like best player remainings at this point. But uh, yeah, Hugo, I saw my eyes were raised. He was included on KOC's big board, which is noteworthy because it was only went to 50. He was in the 40s on that. So to get him at 58 is interesting. Vicini had him right. I think Vicini had him 59. So kind of dead on. But still, I mean, you're 40, 47 on KOC's big board. Yeah. You're seeing players, you know, picked ahead of him that were like, Damn near a hundred on Vicini's board too. So oh, sorry, even... Gavoni had him. Gavoni had him mocked to the Hawks of forty-four. Wow. So wow. yeah, a couple of forties grades. So that's you know obviously anytime you draft a guy at fifty-eight, far from a sure thing. But it does seem like you know a chance that he he's an interesting player. Still pretty young, can score the basketball. Kind of the opposite of not the opposite, but kind of different to Bochamp in that I don't think he's a certain defender. But an interesting gamble to take, and I, I like the the swing here for sure. Well, do you want to share KOC? We were having some fun about KOC's comps. <laughs> I don't know if I do. Look, one of KOC's comps for our friend Basong is Bogdan Bogdanovich. We're going to lose him. One more fitting way. John Horst, I was like, out the playoffs. Like, is he just, is he buying the final pick of the draft purely to like give the fingers to Adam Silver? And then he goes and Picks a guy who's getting Bogdan Bogdanovich comps. Well, maybe it's meant to be. Buys the pick and the maybe, draft maybe he he's loses. the final piece, Rohan. Maybe it's it's Hugo Basan. Maybe, maybe the Bogdan Bogdanovich we all wanted all along. Yeah, I'm already thinking of uh, Hugo photoshops from that Marty Scorsese uh, film. Hugo, uh, nice. It's called the Hugo. Uh, <laughs> The Hugo. I don't know why I said it like that. Like an old man. It was not called the Hugo, but <laughs> I look forward to those ideas, John. The pacer, the trade for Hugo reportedly is interesting. I wonder why they can't, because there's a bunch of second round trades that have already been confirmed with the league and the NBA lists them on the page. What are the Bucks giving up that they can't do it yet? 
Um, oh, you know what it is? League calendar. The cash. You're buying. Yeah, it's the cash. The cash. They have none left because of Yorgos. Yeah. Oh, true. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good call, Jordan. I, that, I, I, was, I was thinking, I was like, are they waiting also, for some cash? third straight year that they have made a draft last. trade with the Pacers. And the second straight Brogdon. year they got. Yeah. I'm not Brogdon. Obviously, last year with the switchy of like, was it three seconds, right? For whatever pick that was. 31 for 54, 60 and a future second. I believe in 2025. Yeah. So there is a relationship there with Death Run Office and the Bucks. Two, two straight years they've gotten the last overall pick from the Pacers. Three straight years they've used the last overall pick in the draft, which is pretty weird. Very weird. But, yeah, it must be cash. To so buy probably, it, too. Yeah, they're probably just sending <laughs> cash, and they have to wait until July 1 or whatever it is. Um, yeah. There's got to be some point. money laundering going on between the two teams, right? Like they just keep sending money back and forth. Like a cluckery situation <laughs> is what you're talking about? Uh, keep it quiet. Keep it quiet. keep it quiet until Pat's next deal is signed, sealed, and delivered. We don't want anyone looking into that. Um, but it does stink because otherwise we'd get some horse They're buying stuff. real estate with this, this money that's been sold. We're, we're leaving it alone, Adam. You're, you're making putting people's fun. names. Concert venues. We uh we don't get any horse thoughts on Hugo, which is too bad. He's speaking on uh, Bochamp right now and just on the G League in general. Some interesting thoughts on on wings down there and the the play style, but we won't get any on Hugo. And I don't know if we probably won't get any on uh, I- Iverson Molinar either, um, which I think we'll be able to live without for now. Okay, that's a name I just found out is a thing right now. So. No, I I read it out earlier. No, I know. Like that's that's when I found out. <laughs> oh, okay. I told. Uh, I was just like sure you thought they you didn't think they signed another. No, I have been I've been high on in the last like four years. I've been high on one draft prospect ever, and he is a member of the Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> oh, he's named after Allen Iverson, according to Wiki. Nice. Yeah. AI cool. coaching the Bucks. In an assistant capacity, confirmed? Speaking of coaches, I do have a it's fun one, fact. It's almost 1 a.m. Yeah, I do have a fun <laughs> fact. Do you guys know who coached Marjon Bochamp in high school? Oh, I was going to say, I know the Ignite. Um, Jason Terry. I don't know. No, but close. Different close. Seattle guy. Jamal Crawford? Nope. Gary Payton? Nope. Brandon Roy? Oh, nice. Interesting. Yeah. Fun fact. Okay. Okay. Hale I mean, I'm even Seattle. more. I'm Brad, more. Brandon Roy was supposed to be, He had a lot of success with them. I remember that. Now. Yeah. Well, one. I should say he went to a couple high schools. One of his high schools. I think the one he ultimately graduated from. I Is believe. that the same? That was the same one as um, MPJ too, right? And Jante. I think. Oh, here, notable athletics. Um, oh, it doesn't look like they've updated. Oh, yeah, MPJ and Jante Porter. Yep. And Masai Ujiri, although I don't think he played for Brandon Roy there. <laughs> Masai to the Bucks confirmed? Question mark? Exclamation point? <laughs> or the Nuggets, which, which uh, he actually came from the Nuggets. That's, yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> like, yeah. He's been there, done that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, do we have any other draft night thoughts? I know. I think, I think we've mentioned on this pod, you guys are going to dive into the, the players with Lucas Harkins more. Um, so, and we just haven't had time to dive too deeply yet, quite honestly, but I think I, we, I, we talked about doing general NBA stuff. Honestly, not that much happened. I mean, pretty boring. Liddell, Liddell was, 
That was kind of yeah, surprising. Liddell slide as much. I think actually was, even it was Adam Spinella. To me. Adam Spinella had a report um, last week that the feeling around his draft sack was maybe overinflated. Unfortunately, it kind of struck out that way. But yeah, overall, I mean, kind of a milk toast draft outside of what? San Caro milk toast. What is that? M-I-L-Q-U-E-T-I-S-D. It was. It's always hyped up to for all these trades and stuff like that. And obviously, outside of Bancaro going number one and John Hammond with an impressive smokescreen that only Houdini could rival. Well, except um, that, you know, every... Well, not every, but most sports books had that. And yet, Woj and Shams doubled down this morning. And okay. I was like, oh. Can I... What? <laughs> This, this is gonna good. derail. This is gonna derail the podcast completely. So, and this is just imagine me as Michael Scott trying to explain how a surplus works. <laughs> yeah, that scene. Yeah, got it. When all the betting odds are going on, and everybody's like, "Why is it's plus whatever number for Bankero and all that stuff?" It's not based on information. It's based on the no, but it, it is because. Money. Yeah, right? but why are they making money? When money shifts in a major way, when all the reports are that one, two, three is chalk, it's because someone has information and they're putting a lot of money on the outcome of number one changing. So it, it isn't always necessarily based on information, but okay. when big money goes on, it is not generally people just like, hey, I'm going to bet millions of dollars on this and I know nothing about it. Like There is usually information involved. So that is... I get your point, but there is generally a combination. And in this case, case, there obviously was. Like someone knew, someone has made some money on this. Coach because, can. well, the lines, the lines moved in a major way overnight because it was like the, the books were saying, like, not BUCKS, but yeah. Uh, the sports books were saying, Oh, it's you know it's Jabari one, Holmgren two, uh, Bakero three. Last night when I went to bed, that's all the reporters were saying. And by the time I woke up this morning, it was like whoa, it was off the books. The yeah. lines, the lines had moved completely. So big money came in, and in hindsight, yeah, someone knew. Um, but yeah, I get your point. But at that level, like to move the line that much, the amount of money that takes, that is not blind betting, and that is not like thousands of random people betting five dollars and ten dollars that's someone with information okay because as a gambling novice i can't discern what is like actual information or sports books saying like oh this is like i don't know over See, the, or under the thing with the draft to, for betting that is different yeah. than most other types of betting is there is a there is a correct answer that someone can know. Yeah, <laughs> like that's you, true. You can have the information. You could know all thirty picks if you do the right people. Like, and that's that's a difference between outcomes and other things. So, information is definitely there. You like, I'm sure some people were just like, "Oh, I like the odds. I'm betting on Bankero," but that's not what moves the line like that. So, someone, someone, some few people knew, and they made a lot of money off it. Hmm. And then this morning when everyone saw the line move, 
you have a lot of people like, oh, well, someone knows something I'm going to get on that too. Uh, props to the magic. Kept the cards close to the vest. The gambler. That's right. We're talking gambling for the gambler. Like, what else could we ask? <laughs> yeah. Got no one to hold them. Got no one to fold them. That's right. Um, but yeah, I, I think know that reference because of the commercial. What commercial? Never mind. Jeremy Grant to Portland. Kofi Kofi Coburn to the Utah Jazz. Just oh, to put that out there. Would have been a fun two-way for the Bucks. I would like to see it, to see that name on a Utah jersey, <laughs> Utah Jazz jersey. Oh, the new jerseys as well. Oh, God. They should burn those jerseys. Nice. Yeah. Coburn does. Yeah, it's it's 12.45. Does anyone have anything else? Or are we, are we No, we've been in front of our screens for long way time. too long. Oh, seven it's hours. Been, yeah. It's been a while. <laughs> when, no, 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 no. Not first summer league game, July 8th? 6th. July 6th? 8th. You know, it's Ro- just Rohan, we're, we're asking we're asking Rohan for days. Like we, we're going to be here all night. He's just saying every number, including the one that I originally said. Don't test the amount of days and dates. It doesn't work out well. It's true. I, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm going to trust Jordan and say the eight. Does that work for everyone? Um, hold on, I've got sure, the whole thing sure. in front of me. It's the eighth. Yeah, I'm Jordan. Six PM on the eighth. No surprise that Jordan knows the first day of summer league. Like, Not at all. Oh, no surprise. I didn't know what day it was. Um, and I, I do think to clarify, because actually I tweeted the thing about the league year for buying the fifty eighth pick and got a question about when that is. It's like next week. Like it's not. Yeah, like, it it's should be after the moratorium. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That's so, like the first. Yeah. They should be able to confirm the trade well before Summer League and, and have Hugo there if they are pr- planning to bring him over. And I think he could actually do Summer League and still not come over. They, I think that happened last year with uh, Rutgers. Yeah, sure. You, yeah. You, can, you can play Summer League and then go back to wherever. You yeah. can also I mean, play Summer League and not have a contract, as Sterling Brown did when they traded for his pick. Yeah, it's a good call. Uh, he doesn't seem to be on the breakers active roster at the moment so that might be one wrinkle to that is i don't think he has a team which usually when you stash a guy they're under contract with an international team for mm. a period of time mm. so do we think two maybe way? i'm wrong on that but it doesn't seem like maybe two way that's also possible yeah that is also possible that'd be a fun two way they don't usually go that kind of route with two ways they they did with mama well, I mean, M- Mamu came up through the college system. And there's no buyout, too, which is what we thought with Yorgos last year. Yeah. Yeah, then obviously so, that prevented Yorgos from being a two-way guy, so that should not apply here, which is uh, a lot That also is the example that we should not make predictions for how the books are going to work out this part of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I noticed I'm not saying any hot takes. I'm like, two-way? Maybe? Maybe he's here? Maybe he's not? Those are pretty much the three options. Um, I would not expect roster spot, but uh, as you mentioned, Adam, we've been wrong on those calls before. Um, and yeah, I think I think that's about everything. That's it. That's it for us. Um, I forgot how to do an outro for a second. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Eurostep Podcast Network. I am now just tied for life with Bochamp. It's ride or die. For it's, life. For life. It's like... 
my my integrity is resting on this thing. The more you you lean into this, the more nervous I get. It's okay. Because I saw Ty do this Ty last year, anyway. and it did not end well. So. Roman okay. Cotty never known to jinx anything. Uh, I was more. very worried they were going to draft Kessler because I feel like I'm very tied to him. Adam was way higher on him than I was, but it, that one I definitely would have paid for. I don't know if I'll get tied to Bochamp. We'll see, but take it away, Roman. Yes. Thank, thank you for listening. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening. Uh, check out gspn.info for all of our links. Pod random, and we will talk to you next time. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.